Catch up. This is the show where we, your friendly hosts, catch up on comics that we missed, whether recent or old. My name is Chris Sims, and I am wishing a Merry Christmas season to my partner, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, Merry Catch Up. Merry Catch Up, Matt. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm full of the spirit. Uh, I. Matt, I I have I have a bone to pick. Okay, with you. <laughs> we are catching up on what is was your suggestion? I believe uh-huh. your idea. Yeah, the ambush bug stocking stuffer. Right, a, a comic, a Christmas comic from 1986. Right, or I'm sorry, 1985. The cover date is February 1986, but it came out in 1985. And you build this. You announce this to the the fans of this show uh-huh. as being not just a Christmas comic that we're catching up on, but that this could also be a uh, tribute to or salute to uh, the unfortunately uh, recently deceased uh, Keith Giffen, true. of whom we are both fans. True. And now I have to talk about this comic in what you told everyone was going to be a tribute to Keith Giffen. Matt? Well, okay. Of whom I am a fan. There are some things in this comic that don't hold up so good. But I do think all in all, it is very much indicative representative exemplary of the style of Keith Giffen's humor comics because we sometimes talk about comics being unhinged or having chaotic in- energy uh-huh. on the show uh-huh they don't hold a candle to the ambush bug stocking stuffer which is the most chaotic energy comic I think I've ever read. It is I would I wouldn't even say chaotic. I don't even know if I would say disjointed. I would say that it is like many of the things that happen in this are like it is barely sequential art. Because oh, I, I am it, not sure it is sequential. It tells a story. I mean, it does tell a story. It kind of tells a story. It it tells a story that it, you. It is much like that. Choose your own adventure. Judge Dread comic we read, because the ending of the story, or at least a late part of the story. Happens on page 19 when there is so, like, there are 20 some more pages of book after that. Matt, we could have done, we could have done anything from JLI. (laughs) Those are Christmas comics. We could have done any, we could have done that Legion of Superheroes run. We could have done. We could have done the that I th- I'm pretty sure Giffen did the uh, the the Legion of Substitute Heroes story at like the arm fall off boy story in Secret Origins. Pretty sure he did that one. Did you dislike this comic that much, Matt? I did not enjoy this comic. Really, and I, I feel really bad. To- okay, I will say this: there are uh, there are several 
really good gags. In yes, this. I I have never read a comic that is more Looney Tunes than this comic book, and that includes many official licensed DC Comics Looney Tunes comics. Yeah, I mean, like on on the very first page, giving us the title. Ambush bug in I knew I should have taken that left toyn back in Albuquerque from the original story by Joseph Conrad. That's a funny joke. And it's so Looney Tunes. I mean, it is an actual reference to Looney Tunes in the left toyn in Albuquerque thing. Also, there's a funny gag where there are editor's notes for toyn and Albuquerque explaining that it's turn and Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another example, I mean, this this issue immediately does a duck-a-muck. It does a duck-a-muck from, on, like, page six. Uh-huh. Because Ambush Bug is lost. He starts terrorizing a, a DC Comics hucka, uh, which... That's from a book from the era. I forget which one. But like, oh, it's from Atari Force. It's from Atari Force. Yeah, there's a lot of gags at the expense of Atari Force that are pretty funny. Yeah. He he like terrorizes this this creature from Atari Force. And it immediately goes into a blank void and starts asking, where am I? What's happened to my friends? And then it goes out into space and explodes. Then... Uh, it all gets interrupted by a guy from the Hookah Anti-Defamation League, which is <laughs> on the razor's edge of taste. Ooh, and, it's interesting that you would put it on the edge. <laughs> I'd, put and, it, I'd put it on the uh, rated R superstar Adam Copeland, because it's past edge for me. Okay. Then there's a, a page that's 1001 uses for a dead Hookah, which is not what it sounds like. It's H-U-K-K-A, don't at me, that's the thing's name from Atari Force. Okay? Yeah, you can, yeah, that that's, don't, and this is a, this is a parody of uh, another, like, comedy thing at the time, which was uh, 1001 Uses for a Dead Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it, and then it cuts to Ambush Bug at a, like, drawing board drawing that page like Bugs Bunny at the end of Duck Amuck. Like it's fully doing Duck Amuck. Yeah. No, They're I got all... it. I'm not explaining it to you. I'm telling the listener what, okay. Okay. what is happening. There's, there's also a running gag in here where it occasionally just cuts to how to write comic books. Like, like it becomes a how to write comic books book for a little bit. Those I found all of those gags extremely funny. The the one that is that I I didn't get until I got to the end and I realized it they were doing Mr. A. Yes. Is very funny. It's there's a Mr. A gag. Like the polls in here are wild. The credits of the issue, which by the way, uh it's the the credits are Keith Giffen plot and pencils. Robert Lauren Fleming actually wrote the dialogue. Bob Oxner did the inks. Anthony Tolan did colors, and Julia Schwartz is the editor. And John Costanza is the letterer, right? Because the credits are hidden in a page. That is called the first annual fanboy press. Why not the best popularity poll? That's like a list of categories. It's like categories when we it do. It really the, is, yeah. It's like you know, favorite writer, favorite penciler, favorite anchor. Then it's best man and matron of honor. Favorite word starting with the letter Q. Uh, favorite bod on a liberated female character. Which okay, that's a mid eighties joke for sure. Uh, capital of Wisconsin, and then the credits are like buried in that. 
Yeah, and it's literally favorite Keith Given plot, favorite Keith Given pencils, yeah, uh, and all the way down to favorite method of hiding the credits in a comic book. Yes, that's that's a good gag. And then at the bottom, favorite letterer John Costanza. Damn it! And it, uh, the it is John Costanza is the biggest word on the page, or yeah. the biggest thing on the page, because he he lettered the page. Yes, which is very funny. There is. A Jack Kirby Santa in here that I thought you would love. No, I really, I really like that that page. Yeah, like, but here, here's the thing, Matt. That page is disconnected from every other page in this. A lot Many of these are very disconnected from each other. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like Ambush Bug and Cheeks the Toy Wonder. Mm-hmm to me, are in the Gru category. Before your time? where Yeah, where it is like, if I was five years older, ten years older, like, I would think, I would love Ambush Bug. Because it, it is the, like, Ambush Bug is the kind of character and the kind of, like, thing that, that, I think you and I like, you know, kind of an obscure D-lister that shows up in these definitely like four heads only jokes with deep souls about sugar and spike and brother power, the geek and, and jokes about Mr. Mr. A editori for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, but it's, it's just, it misses me so much like the the delivery of the comedy and again i am a i am a keith giffen i am a fan of his work and i'm a fan of his comedy work i'm a fan of like the stuff that he's written uh that is like meant to be funny and i think as an artist and i think uh he really does excel as an artist in this book because he's doing 40 pages in a variety of styles you know, like we get we get his his regular kind of Keith Giffen penciling on uh, the ambush book story, but like you said, he does like a, a Kirby pastiche. He does like a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez pastiche in this. He draws Sugar and Spike. There's one page with a some a a self aware offensive joke that is still offensive. I I yeah I think. I know what you're talking about. The it's it's the pages with the chibi, yeah, ambush bug. It's the, it's the up. yes, and then he also does the season's greetings from around the world, and he does the ambush bug in England, France, Spain, and Japan. Yeah, and so artistically, he's doing, uh, like, like Carlos Esquera. Like like Judge Dredd in the England one, Mobius in the France one. Yeah, uh, I I don't know I don't know who the the Spain one is. Like I know who it is, but I can't call it to mind. Uh, and then like a just you know anime style uh, for the Japan page, Chibi in particular. But yeah. yeah, yeah, and and like so artistically, like Given is doing a phenomenal job as he usually does. And again, like the the the. Steve Dicko parody stuff in here. It's 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 perfect, I think. And even like the regular ambush bug plot like it is Keith Giffen's like typical style. But it also feels like there are parts. Like there's there's a part that's like an EC comics pastiche. Uh-huh. Right? Where it's tail so scary you'll break all your furniture. Choke that feels like he's doing like a, a you know, kind of like a EC throwback style. There are other parts where it feels like he's doing like a almost like a Mazzucchelli year one kind of thing. Even though this is eighty five, so it's before that. Um, I guess it's like maybe a, a Daredevil kind of pastiche. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I I appreciate because because. Yes, this is a wild story. And I, I'll go through the story that is in here really quickly. Well, 
I do want to say before we move on, there's also an incredibly on-model Garfield. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> so, you know, Fairfox to to Keith Giffen. Artistically, oh, and the, the the how to draw comics pages are all like how to draw comics. Kind of, they're not stick figures, but they're like featureless ink drawings to kind of represent like you know basic drawing technique. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is about how like hey. You've been writing comic books, superhero comic books, for a long time. Maybe you want to change something, uh, but you can't. Which I thought was a funny sentiment, which also applies today. Wild that that Keith Giffen made that joke and then had a career in comics for another 40 years. True, true. But yeah, like, it's... Artistically, sure... And and again, several really good jokes, but I would say there's like, you know, a dozen really solid gags in here. There's also 400 gags in here. I I think you're being too hard on it. I think it at least, I think the jokes at least land two thirds of the time. I, that is, that is wild. I will tell you. I will tell you this. I have never in my life laughed at Cheeks the Toy Wonder. The, the book is not really about Cheeks. Cheeks I, is like the villain of the story, and and I guess it's about how much Ambush Bug cares about Cheeks. But that's kind of it. It. I mean. I mean it. It. Uh, okay. I then then you describe to me what this story is about. Okay, there's a there's initially a story, like a a, a short bit, where uh, ambush bug is like getting ready for Christmas by doing weird shit by being dressed as a surgeon and sewing up a turkey, and he's remembering cheeks, and then some Jehovah's Witnesses show up at his house and steal all his presents. Then he finds out about how someone has been breaking into toy stores and cannibalizing dolls. Like, that is a key component of this story. Like, dolls in toy stores are being eaten. He also sees that Cheeks has been dug up from his coffin. So, or from his grave. So, Cheeks is a zombie. There's a part where Ambushbug goes to a zombie movie. He's really scared. And then he realizes that Cheeks is a zombie. Cheeks then appears on page 19. In like a little one-page story about him. That also involves Ragdoll. <laughs> There's a Ragdoll joke that is another <laughs> wild deep cut. That's not, that's not Ragdoll. That's Brother Power the Geek. That's Brother Power the Geek. Okay. Who was a living mannequin? Doll. Okay, that's that's a d- deeper cut than I even thought it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then ambush bug goes looking for cheeks, and he's he's been looking for cheeks for several pages when he is told he's hiding in the bushes on page nineteen. So he goes back to page 19 when he is then attacked by Johnny DC, the continuity cop. Who, again, I have never in my life laughed at Cheeks the Toy Wonder. I I will always pop for the other supporting character of Ambush Bug, Johnny DC, continuity cop. I love Johnny DC, continuity cop. I I love that she's a normal... Okay, first of all, I love that it is a reimagining of this weird mascot character that DC had for like three months in the 60s, Johnny yes. DC. Yes. Secondly, I love that that Johnny DC is a normal woman 
who transforms into the DC Comics logo with a head and like a and like a mortar board. Yeah, <laughs> which and leads I, to a joke about when Johnny DC realizes that ambush bug is going back to page nineteen from page thirty two. She realize she's like, ah, this is a case. This means war. This is a case for Johnny DC continuity cop. And there's a gag about how uh, this is going to be the crisis on the only Earth we're allowed to use. That's a that's a good gag. That's a good gag. Uh, so then Johnny DC shows up, complains about the script to this comic, <laughs> yells at Keith Giffen to change the setting of this part of the story. And, uh, and then, you know, oh, I think his house gets burned down <laughs> in the yeah. process. And then he, but he finds, uh, Cheeks and he's reunited with Cheeks and everybody says, Merry Christmas ambush bug. And then there's a, a bit about the Joker getting an invitation to his, uh, I guess it's his high school reunion, and that's how the book ends. And Joker looks very – it's not Neil Adams. It's its Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a, a last page gag about the meaning of Christmas, which is sort of sincere and sort of funny at the same time. Is it kind of all over the place? Yes. Do the uh, jokes, uh, do the jokes all over the place, Matt? Do the jokes about Saturday morning TV land for me? No, those are the two pages I'm I like the least because I couldn't follow that part. It's like it's supposed to be, I think, a joke about how much. Saturday morning TV is violence and then commercials. Yeah. And I get that, but it, I, I, that part I can't scan. That part is too chaotic even for me, but I do enjoy the chaotic energy of all the rest of it. I enjoy the fact that throughout the book, Keith Giffen in particular is, Annoyed that he's got to do 40 pages of this. As, as he should be, because there's like maybe eight pages of good jokes. <laughs> I think there's more. Like th- the bit with the bit where Am- like Ambush Bug finds out that Cheeks is hiding on page 19 and he goes, Oh, great, that's back in the funny part of the book. Yeah. That's pretty good. The yeah. bit of, of Johnny DC continuity cop making him like being like, no, you have to actually tell this book in sequential order. Johnny DC continuity cop should have shown up in fucking ultra comics. Yes. You would have straightened that out immediately. Agreed. That's really, you know, that's really funny. The, the idea of cheeks being a cannibal doll, like a zombie doll. So he's eating other dolls. That's a good premise for like a Christmas comic, but that's like actually very little of what happens in here. Like it, that whole opening sequence is eight pages long, and then the story starts on page nine, and then there's an interstitial bit about like this has to be forty pages long, yeah. and it talks about how much manga artists draw, which is actually very funny. It, it yes, there's it, up, to, up to the point where the jokes get pretty bad. <laughs> That I think the the part about manga artists working too hard, I think could definitely be read as a culturally insensitive joke, especially given the kind of like culture of the mid eighties where it was like Japan is our economic rival. Yeah. Uh but that joke I think actually holds up now because we have definitive proof that manga artists work too hard yeah the the bit about manga artists being uh hounded to hounded to jumping off mountains and buildings by their editors who are demanding output 
it it is i think the same kind of dark humor as it was in 1985 as it is only a couple of years after kentaro mura uh died yeah yeah you know like this was this was 4 years before osamu tezuka died at 60 which is like wild that it was that that this is the joke getting made even before that i can understand an argument that this book is too much like it's too much here's a gag here's a gag here's a gag it's too many one page one off jokes that kind of thing but for me just kind of popping in and going along for the ride was an enjoyable experience and it very much not like any comic and i don't just mean mainstream comics any comic you see now even the funny ones you do not see comic books this loaded with gag here's a different thing here's a new gag here's a here's another different thing and weirdly enough for me that was refre- that's refreshing in a way does every joke in this land absolutely not are there a couple that kind of make me tug at my collar because it was published in 1985 100% but it's but you're onto another thing in a panel you know and i don't know i i sort of like given the setup from the first the very first page from the title of the issue we're doing looney tunes here i kind of enjoy it like do i totally get what's going on on the page where ambush bug is calling the teen titans and the bat cave and the legion of superheroes and bizarro world and the haunted tank and swamp thing at the swamp. No, <laughs> that is actually my favorite page in the whole thing. Okay. Cause I think that like my problem with this structurally is that so many of the gags are punchlines without setups. Sure. And the gags that do have setups are often those are the ones that don't land for me. So getting this page of ambush bug needing help and a very like this is the kind of gag Brian Bendis would be doing 20 years later, right? And so we get this I mean uh, Brian Bendis would do this as a very serious page. Yeah, but he would also use it as a gag. Sure, yeah. Uh, he like he's done a comedy version, but he has also done this as a as a serious page too. Uh, we get a pretty incredible fifteen panel grid, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's Matt. Can you you can't name them all, but I can. Well, okay, let me, let me see what I can name. There's the okay. There's Titan Tower. That's one. There's the Fortress of Solitude. That's two, which has the great gag of the sound effects being translated into Kryptonian. Right. It's got That's the big keyhole. Gag. It's yeah. got the big keyhole. It's the Batcave. Right. Big Joker card. I don't know what the mountain is. That is Challenger Mountain. That's the Challenges of the Unknown. Challenges of the Unknown. Okay. Okay. Uh, who's who's cal- caroling on the next page? I actually have. I, that's the one I can't place. Like I thought, maybe it was Candor, but it's 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 a it's a circle. It's got to be a planet, but I don't know what it is. It's probably something from Given's Run on Legion. Well, Legion is the next one. Well, that's the that's Legion headquarters is the next one. Yeah, maybe that maybe the one before that is like a Green Lantern thing. Is that supposed to be Oa? Well, it was green. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, then the. the the hookah, however you pronounce it, Atari Force is the next panel. Right, that's Atari Force. 
Metamorpho is the next one. That's a giveaway because it says Metamorpho. Well, that's the it's the Outsiders headquarters. That's the Outsiders okay. underneath Wayne Tower. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who is in the rocket who didn't pay the phone bill. That is the Legion of Substitute Heroes in the original Legion Clubhouse. Okay. The next one is Justice League. That's on the sign. Yeah. Uh, then Swamp Thing Swamp. Down in Homa, Louisiana. That's right. Then Gem World. Then the Haunted Tank. Then that's Bizarro Planet. And then that's Crypto's Doghouse. Crypto's Doghouse, yeah. Yeah. Which I like because the gag there is that Crypto is just barking at the phone ringing, which that rings true to me. Mm-hmm. But my, like, as a, you know, as as the kind of person who recognizes 14 of 15, I liked that. I, I liked the gag. But it also has my single favorite joke in the issue, which is the haunted tank bit where the phone is ringing and Jeb Stewart says, listen, men, the bells. And Slim says, it must be the orphans in the church tower. And Jeb Stewart says, take it out, Slim. (laughs) That's fucking grim. That is a grim haunted take joke. Grim. But look, look, you, you, you say this is a disjointed story and it's, and like things just happen and there are punchlines with no setups. Johnny DC, who is sort of like the deus ex continuity of this story, <laughs> shows up on page 20 to like look at Cheeks's dug up grave mm-hmm. I, and verify that Cheeks is really dead. Uh, so, so we're seeding that Johnny DC is going to show up later. Man, I don't know if, I don't know if 20 pages into a 40 page comic, 21 pages into a 40 page comic is a great place to be seeding the later appearances. What's going to happen, what, 15 pages later? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's not all punchlines with no setups. Is it a lot of references? Yes. But I don't mind that. It's, again, Looney Tunes did that constantly. Yeah, it's it's just, like, the references aren't really what I mind as much as, like, again, a lot of gags with that are are just punchlines that it I don't know it it doesn't work for me and I feel bad now <laughs> you made me feel bad Matt I didn't mean to I thought we would have fun <laughs> no I had a I had a I had a bad time I did I did not enjoy this it's it is just a a, it, it it is a it's a style of comic that just doesn't work for me. Ambush Bug has always been kind of my least favorite Keith Given thing because again, you know, when I got into mid eighties DC comics, you know, when I was working in the comic book store when I was in my early twenties, um, and and that was was in the early two thousands. So when I was really getting into stuff like Suicide Squad and JLI, like it was almost 20 years old at that point. And something about like, I I mean, you know, we've said it before, like comedy tends to age really quickly because comedy is like, is very contingent on what's happening in the world and in culture and, and everything. A lot of it is. I mean, there are examples of comedy that are more timeless. Yeah. But largely, yeah, it's yeah. It's about what's happening right now. Well, that's why I think it's it's so notable when a joke like I was watching, you know, I I watch White Christmas every year. And there's a lot of like really genuinely funny gags in that that still hold up from you know, 1954. There's also there's also a vast a, a big section of that movie I skip. <laughs> There's some that definitely do not. Yeah. 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 But yeah, like I, 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 I feel like a lot of the humor in this misses me in a way that a lot of Giffen's humor in other places, you know, I've, 
I've already talked about JLI, but like that again, the OMAC, the new 52 OMAC book that had no reason to be as good as it was that we've marveled at for, for the four, the 13 years now. Yeah. Uh, like that, but that wasn't a comedy book. Really? It, no, I mean, but it had like some, it, like it had good gags. And I, I, I feel like that's like, what was jarring to me about this is, is not the, is the disjointedness of, of any, like, sometimes the, the, it, it changes from page to page and sometimes from panel to panel what is happening in this book. You know, and not in a way that, like, it, it is a series of events that are happening, but in a way that, like, the style of gag and storytelling, it's so disjointed that it just doesn't click. Which I think is weird, because I, like, in terms of storytelling, Giffen is a master. Like, <laughs> it is unquestionably one of the most incredible, like, uh, like, Giffen did the breakdowns for 52, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. And that should tell you how good he is at like pacing and structure. And but it's I, like, I, this, well, this is me. I think notably, like I like the gag of the, how to write comic books thing where it's like a big part of the, how to write comic book gag is I'm bored writing superhero comics or I'm, I'm, I'm bored doing the same old kind of superhero comic stories. And this does read like someone who is bored doing the other stuff they're doing. So I'm going to throw every idea I have at the wall and and some of it land, will land and some of it won't. But I'm just going to have fun making a comic, you know? Yeah. And I have an appreciation for that. I have an appreciation for sort of following a creative notion, following it through even if it's not going to land with everybody – and I feel like that's what's happening in this book throughout. I personally think this story holds together a little better than I think you do. I can at least follow it to a degree. It is constantly interrupted by these one-off gags, some of which land, some of which don't. Like The Joker showing up at the end as like a cliffhanger that they make into a Batman 66 cliffhanger feels tacked on to me like and not in a great way it's just an excuse to draw the joker <laughs> yeah well it's weird because you'd think that would be happening like that that would be a thing for like whatever the next ambush bug story is the next ambush bug story doesn't come out until 1992 <laughs> yeah yeah i mean maybe it was an attempt to set up something but i think it's just a joke about like doing a batman 66 ending the joke to me that is the most like before my time grew boomers Gen X kind of joke <laughs> is that very last one where there's like an authentic meaning of Christmas story inside of a wreath and then a gag about how ambush bug just got a necktie for Christmas. Like that's the kind of like, Oh, here's something sincere. Let me undercut it. Kind of joke that feels from a generation before ours. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like a lot of this is straight up Looney Tunes stuff that I mostly enjoy. I do. I do appreciate that that Giffen is the same kind of nerd that we are now. Yes. 
Like, which, you know, I mean, even more so because he's, you know, been working in the industry for 10 years at this point. Um, but that, you know, that he's making Mr. A gags. Who is getting that? Who gets that joke? Who I, goes into I, the fucking Super America in 1985, picks this up, and and gets that Mr. A joke? But I, I, I don't think it's for anybody except Keith Giffen. I think, or, or I guess Keith Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming. We keep yeah. forgetting Robert Lauren Fle- Fleming, you know, actually wrote the dialogue here. This is to amuse themselves. You know, this is is a two page bit about Saturday morning cartoons being just violence and commercials. Like a, a gag for people or like trying to make a statement or are they just having fun? You know, mm-hmm. like I think a lot of it is just them having fun. And I, I feel like that comes through like. Keith Giffen just wanted to draw Jack Kirby's Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. And so he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I will say everything that I liked about this is a Keith Giffen joke, and everything I didn't like was a Robert Lauren Fleming joke. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure, I'm sure he's, he's lovely. We gotta find a way to rank this where I clearly like it more than you. Yeah. So I I'm willing to put it below like I'm I know we've ranked, you know, JLI stuff. I'm willing to put it below any JLI thing. Okay. I I again you allegedly thought this was going to be a fun time. And I don't want to ruin that, especially because of recent events. R.I.P. to to well, look, Keith Giffen, truly one of the greats. Keith Giffen would want us to be fair to this. Would he? He, I, <laughs> he would. I I don't think Keith Giffen, who well, wrote then, so many comics, then, then you want to shoot? Then let's talk about how he ripped off Jose Munoz. <laughs> That's that is as much of a foreheads only joke as as the the cancellation of Atari Force in this. That that was a thing that came up a lot, like immediately after his death. Right? People were talking about that. Were they? Yeah, I think they were. It's because it's it's like right after this is published that uh, that he gets. Uh, they're like, yeah, this guy's just ripping off Jose Munoz. I mean, I guess there's some similarity to the style, but I don't, I don't really buy it. I mean, you can you can be influenced by someone and not necessarily rip them off. But uh, anyway, um, formerly known as the Justice League is at number nine eighty. I'm more than willing to put this below that. It can go in the 1000s somewhere, but or even the 1100s. But I, w- I want to be clear, I'm doing that with love. It's a top-heavy list. It is a top-heavy list. And there's fun stuff, fun but uneven stuff, in the 1100s. 1112 is Night Business by Ben Mara. I feel like... At 987, we have Doom Force. Yeah. The Doom Force special. Which I always I always think Keith Giffen is in. But he's not. He's not one of the guys who... who <laughs> oh, he did the cover. He did the cover. Uh, the cover to Doom Force is a Keith Giffen-Mike Mignola cover. That's wow. wild. What a team up. What a yeah. team up. Uh but yeah, like I think Doom Force is very comparable in approach, 
but I think is a better gag. It's also, yeah. it's also a lot meaner. <laughs> it well, it's it's Doom Force is DC's takedown of Image, right? It's like it's it's uh, of X Force. It's like it is a, of Rob and X Force specifically. Okay, so so what would become Image? Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I'm looking in the 1100s because Night Business is at 1112. I think this probably goes below night business. Yeah. But, but night business is, is similarly kind of like uneven and, and weird. Night business is a comic that I recently purchased a hardcover of because I could not believe I was looking at a hardcover of night business. (laughs) But okay. Is this, this is better than combo man though, right? I think we would be doing a disservice to to Keith Giffen if we said that this was not better than Combo Man. I think this is better than that Avengers issue with Letterman in it. That's at 11.39. Okay. Let's see. Right above that, we have that, uh, that Hellblazer story where... Um, uh, where our UK listeners did inform us that those weird puppet parades are a thing that happens over there. They also t- let us know that it has you know special meaning for people in the UK because of their particular fears about nuclear destruction, which I, I at least partially responded to with, yeah, w- Americans were worried about it too. <laughs> but I do understand. It's It's a specific type of fear that is represented in that story. Um, but it doesn't land with me and you, Chris, the way maybe it would with others. The last Calvin and Hobbes strip is at number 1131. This is all you, bud. I mean, look, I want you to contribute because we, we have to, we have I, to meet. It, it, look, if you were if you were saying this was like better than Maximum Carnage, I would intervene. Okay, which I guess you are because Maximum Carnage for some reason is still at twelve fifty one. I don't understand <laughs> anything anymore. We reread it; it's still bad. It. Mm, I think we should read it again. All right. How about this? I, it's this is not better than the Eltingville Club, which is at eleven twenty seven. Agreed. I would say Sojourn is more of a lost. Jim is probably too strong of a word, but like, if you found an issue of Sojourn. Or a trade paperback of Sojourn in like a cheap bin at the comic shop, you could pick it up and read it and, and have a pretty good time. Sojourn I'm gonna Sojourn is a linear narrative, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna put this at the new number eleven twenty nine above Amazing Spider Man, the Assassination plot. I disagree, but I am okay with that. We could put it a spot or two lower. Nope, if you that's fine. Never came for that. That's fine. The list is the list, man. That's true. We are merely chipping away at the marble. And look, this is a. It's not a high ranking for this, but again, it is. It is with love. It is with love. Uh, so the new number eleven twenty nine is. Ambush bug, stocking stuffer, and I'll put in parentheses nineteen eighty five. And in case it is not clear yet, Keith Giffen, truly one of the greats, an incredible, an incredible fifty year career in comics. Yes, uh, I'm a particular fan of JLI of his work on Legion. Uh, I liked that Defenders run that he and Demetrius De- and. Uh, uh, Kevin McGuire did, uh, and and don't forget that he's responsible for the cosmic 
Marvel Universe as it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Almost single-handedly. I mean, Abnett and Lanning did a lot too, but he did the first, he wrote the first Annihilation series. Yeah. Which kicked off Cosmic Marvel being what it is. Yeah. I mean, he, he is the one who like reinvented Star-Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ever forget it. Yeah. And, Dra- and Drax. True. Like, did a bunch of really, really incredible stuff. Again, the fact that he's this deep in it and is making these jokes and then continues to do the work that he did for 40 years after this, honestly incredible. Honestly amazing. Oh, remember that that uh, that Hordak book that he did? Yes, I do. Yes. That thing owned... The th- the thing where he like tried to make Masters of the Universe a Larry Hama GI Joe style comic. Yeah, that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, full full out. But but like as the fourth world. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Really, like that thing was great. It uh, was really good. Yeah. 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 Again. Cannot stress enough. I am generally speaking a big fan of Keith Kevin. <laughs> but this in the same way that I am generally speaking a big fan of Sergio Aragones, but like Gru, I don't get it. So uh rest in peace to Keith Giffen. And uh and yeah. I think that brings us to the end. I had fun reading this. And it's not perfect, but I had a good time. I enjoyed it. it. I thought it was a fun Christmas comic that did something different. And kind of all I'm looking for in a comic book anymore is something different. <laughs> I d- I'm looking for the same stuff. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, we'll be back in January with another catch-up. Uh, let us know what you would like us to read. For that, we've had some recommendations of things to catch up on. I, maybe we'll do X Men Red in two parts in January and February because people definitely were on board with us doing X Men Red. For I'm surprised up. that there's an Al Ewing comic that we both managed to miss completely. So it's a lot of comics. It's a lot of comics that come out every week. That's true. They keep, they keep making them, and we are going to keep reading them. That's true. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope I didn't ruin anybody's Christmas. You did. Uh, we we had a good discussion. In I, the way I, Matt ruined mine. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a good time talking to you about it. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, please join us soon for the War Rocket Ajax annual Christmas special. Yeah, and we'll see you then. Yeah. Until then, hey, good catching up. Good catching up.